Yo, 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 yo. Tuesday, November 30th. I'm Guy Adami. I'm joined, as always, by Dan Nathan. This is the Market Call Macro. We've rebranded the show, but we're still bringing you the top macro headlines of the week on our best investment and trading insights. Today, we're going to be joined by the great, and he is great, Chris Vecchio. Whilst on vacation, he's joining us, senior strategist at Daily FX. Today's Market Call is being brought to you by our presenting sponsors, Dan Nathan, Nadex, the leading U.S. exchange for binary options, call spreads, and of course, knockouts. We'll talk more about that later. And Open Exchange, Dan, because they manage the virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. I am hopped up on the Mountain Dew. How are you, Dan Nathan? <laughs> yeah, this meeting matters right now, guy, because the volatility that we're seeing across risk assets is something that we have not seen in a very long time here. We've seen bouts of equity volatility. We've seen bouts of bond market volatility. We've seen a raging dollar here and there, but they all seem to be moving. And the big one, what we're going to talk about here, crude oil, and I think that might be, I don't know, what do they say? Tail wagon dog, dog wagon something. I don't know. There's a a lot of things going on uh, right now in the markets at a time that people did not expect it. And I think that's really important also. Well, obviously, it started on Friday. Yesterday, we had a little bit of a reprieve, I guess. But today, right now, at least, as we're taping this, it looks like things are going pear-shaped a little bit. Our first headline coming from, we used to call this the FT. I don't know what the cool kids <laughs> say now, but the Moderna chief predicting vaccines will struggle with the new variant notice. I'm not saying it because I don't want to impale myself. But that seems to be sort of the theme here. Um, People wrapping their head around what this variant means. What I've said on Fast Money for a while, and I'll say it here, you know, I don't think that COVID or COVID strains in terms of the market, and I want to be very careful when I say this, you know, we're tasked with talking about what's going to happen with the market. You know, I'm surprised that the market is behaving the way it is. I think it's just sort of coming to grips. I think there are other factors that invariably or inevitably will take the market down. I'm surprised with how um, impactful these headlines have been to the broader market. What are your thoughts here, Dan Nathan? Yeah, it makes me think that people were looking for a reason to sell, take some profits, especially in the stock market. I think the crude uh, oil you know, decline, and we're going to look at the chart pretty soon, down 20% now from those recent highs. You, know, you could have been constructive on crude earlier in the summer, right? D- depending upon your views on Delta and what that was going to do to global growth, that sort of thing. And that was also down 20% of the time, but it made a new high within months. And that's really kind of the story here. And I think what you're saying, Guy, is that market participants are getting a little more comfortable how to deal. Any variant is not going to be a black swan based on what we already dealt with in 2020. So investors are comfortable of buying a dip and there's not likely to be a variant that's going to put us in a worse place than we were back in 2020. That being said, you know, Last week was a holiday shortened week. You could talk about volumes. You could talk about eat people, you know, watching football and eating turkey and not minding the markets here. But, you know, the rally yesterday back after the news and the variant maybe wasn't as bad was anemic. And then today on that headline that you just mentioned, down nearly 1% in the pre-opening, that's the thing. I mean, let's see where we end this week. We know we have this jobs data at the end of the month. I think what you're getting at, guys, what does it do to kind of Fed's um, implications of what they might do is taper and Fed hikes. We're going to talk about all that. What does it really do for global growth? And that's the I'm issue. I'm not sure. And listen, you know, Jerome Powell, he's sort of up against it here. I think a lot of people will look at this and say, this gives the Fed air cover to, yeah. right, we understand why they're in the taper front, but maybe it pushes those rate hike concerns out. Chris Vecchio, I'm sure, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll discuss that when he jumps on. I mean, there are a lot of factors at work. On one hand, I think there's a real concern that that growth, um, 
that growth reinvigoration we were supposed to see by this time, maybe that's going to get sort of pushed back, not only by months, but maybe six to nine months. And maybe we find ourselves in this period of stagflation that Danny Moses has talked about. Here's the S&P 500 chart. And again, lower left to the upper right. You've drawn the support line, comes in around 45.50 or thereabouts. So maybe we're 70 or so handles from there in terms of the S&P. But the real level, the real test comes in the form of 4,300 or right below 4,300, that 200-day moving average, which I've mentioned 100 times, you know, increases by about five handles or so a day. That, to me, it looks like a trend line. Um, it, in fact, is a trend line here. And that's a support that I think we inv- inevitably will test. Yeah, near term, that 50-day moving average, you know, that served as support throughout the better part of 2021. We did spend that period in September and October um, below it, and it feels like we're going there, Guy. That will be the real test, the breakout level from October to new highs, also the 50-day moving average, which has been kind of, like we say, support-ish, you know, and then you have your 200-day, and that 200-day at this point is really at that consolidation period before we lift it off in uh, mid-October. So that could be in the cards. A lot coming up over the next few weeks. Like I said, that jobs number, who knows how this... Omicron is this? Is that what they're calling it, guy? Yeah, well, that's why I tried to yourself? avoid it because yeah. I've heard it pronounced about four different ways. But yeah, I think that's as close as you're going to get. There you go. And then we have debt ceiling. We have a bunch of funky stuff out of Washington. What I thought was really interesting about the S and P guy, we have the equal weight S and P chart, which after Thursday. Friday into that gap. Okay. We are already below the breakout level. So what is that telling you? The breath is weakening a little bit. We know that that, you know, the, um, the, the uh, stock market weight market cap weighted index is being heavily influenced by five or six names that make up 25% of that. And they continue to do well. And they act in my opinion, as a bit of a flight to quality a little bit, but keep an eye on this equal weight S and P because if anything, if it breaks that uptrend that's been in place since January, that would mean a meaningful weakness in my opinion, in breadth of the market. You got about 5% to downside, I think, to find support. We'll see what happens. The next one we have to look at, though, obviously, is the NDX, because, I mean, this speaks to everything you've just been talking about, the, the basically the top-heavy nature of so many of these indices, the NDX being one of them. Um, we've seen some great performances recently. Obviously, Apple made a new all-time high recently. You know, Amazon had a funky day a couple weeks ago, that one Friday where it tested the, the prior all-time high and then closed lower on the day. Has not traded particularly well since. Maybe Amazon is an outlier. There's so many cross currents here, Dan. You know, you throw in NVIDIA, some of these uh, semi names, and you're trying to make heads or tails of what's going to happen in the NDX here. I'll tell you this. I mean, if you lose a name like Tesla, which we haven't lost, or if Apple were to give it up for any reason, then that 14,500 14, or so area, which seems light years away, quickly comes into play. Yeah, we were just talking about breadth in the S&P 500 guy. I think breadth in NASDAQ is really important too here. Um, You know, when you think about all of these kind of work from home, school from home, all that sort of stuff that really has been out of favor. Most of those names are down 50, 60% or so from their highs here. So there's a lot of really bad action in tech, especially unprofitable tech, SPACs, that sort of thing um, that are acting very poorly here. In my view right now, when you look at this NDX chart, that looks like a beautiful flag. And that would tell you that if it's 
that's going to break out to the upside of that flag that Apple and Amazon and Microsoft and Alphabet and, and Facebook are all going to break out NVIDIA and Tesla, that sort of thing, because they'd have to lead the way there. But that crowding in those top four names, that makes me um, a little bit nervous. As bearish as I think those names, that there's not lows low enough to be sold, I think the crowding into the major names is really bad. And then this is the one guy, you've been all over this trade here, the Russell 2000. Okay. And we've talked about small caps and we've talked about their sensitivity to economic growth and their sensitivity to domestic revenues. And the fact that why wasn't this index acting better when it looked like the U.S. was coming out of their COVID funk earlier than the world, it broke out last month, and then it seemingly just failed. It's back below its 200-day moving average here. It's back in firmly in that range it's been in for the better part of this year. What is that telling you about the broader market, about the large cap brethren? That's what concerned me yesterday. You know, I looked at the broader market. The, the S&P 500 was up 65, 70 handles. Then I looked at the IWM, or in this case, the RTY, and it was lower on the day. I'm like, you know, something doesn't add up here. It's concerning. It's concerning because I absolutely thought we finally broke out of this nine-month range we had been in. You look at this chart, and it shows you exactly what I was looking at. And then it gave it right back. By the way, Carter Worth has done great work on this. I think he thinks it's going to break down here uh, in a meaningful way. You have that green horizontal line that's your support. I mean, if we see that, that means some really bad things are happening under the surface. So this false breakout is very concerning. I think technicians will look at this and say, "Uh uh-oh. Not particularly good. I think maybe we got a lot of people in late, and now people are sort of on the wrong end of this or the wrong side of this uh, this this boat. We'll see. I'm not sure. But the next thing we need to look at, because I think this plays into it as well, is crude oil, another one you've been spot on. You said for a long time you did not see crude getting significantly higher, and you were spot on. Now, here we are seemingly through support. I mean, a lot of weird things going on. Now, you still have OPEC that could chime in and who knows what they will potentially say after this SPR release by the United States and some other nations. I mean, so many cross currents, Dan, so many things to look at, but the charts don't lie. We have broken support here in crude. Yeah, I guess what's interesting about this one is that, you know, crude, higher crude, $100 crude was really a problem for like like a lot of different constituencies here, you know? And so my thought really very simply was, and whether it's the SPR or whatever, I mean, we know how the Fed jawbones risk assets. Well, that's essentially what I thought was going on with the SPR. And it just, you know, guy, I got to tell you, did you really think on Friday this sort of news could take down crude 12%? It looked to me that people who own crude were looking for reasons to sell it. And the fact that it's firmly below that uptrend, that one-year uptrend, and now it's 200-day moving average for the first time in a year, for the first time since November 2020, guy, when we did not have vaccines at that point. That, to me, is pretty fascinating just from a technical standpoint. So to me, I want to watch crude more than I want to watch the VIX and what that means for the stock market right Yeah, I agree with you. And the second headline, again, and Chris Vecchio is going to speak to this, so I don't want to take a lot of time because I know he has some thoughts, but you know, it comes down to this. It's, it's the Fed rate hike pushed out now vis-a-vis what we've been talking about for the last 15 minutes, this variant. I don't know. I mean, the charts suggest that that's exactly what's going on. This is from Tom Lee. Uh, we're going to take a look at a 10-year chart, but speak to what Tom just talked about, Dan. Yeah, well, I mean, that was the thing. It just about a week or two ago, and Chris Vecchio has been talking about it on Market Call here. Expectation for Fed hikes has been moved up, an acceleration of the taper, then followed by the hikes. That was becoming consensus here. So I just think when you look at this 10-year, and we've been talking about in this range now, the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield, you know, guy, it's been banging around. It looked like it was going to make a, a new multi-month high. It didn't. Mm-hmm. It's still 
still been firmly below the March highs at 1.77%. Um, it's held an uptrend here. It's held that 200-day moving average. But dude, you've been talking about it. The volatility in yields, all of a sudden, when we're seeing 20 basis points, right, on a 1.6 base, because of this headline, it looks like we're technically going to break down. That's some serious action, and you got to pay attention. And I know that you're focused on the 210 spread, and I know that you're focused on the volatility in the two-year yield, but something it feels like something's about to give here. Yeah, no question. Again, you've said it for a while. You didn't see rates going significantly higher. We were 169 a week or so, a week and a half or so ago, yeah. and I thought, you know what, that's it. We're off to the races. But that downtrend line that you drew, it stopped spot on. And now here we are in this pennant. Again, I'll say it's not so much yields. It's the bond volatility. You just mentioned it. By the way, at current levels of 10-year, you're talking about a 210 spread now that is either side of 100 basis points. So for whatever reason, that seems to be a bit of a line in the sand for the market. We'll see. Got to look at the dollar as well because, you know, dollar looked like it was off to the races as rates were going higher. Now the dollar's doing this about face. Now it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if the market does sell off, Will we see a flight to quality in the form of the U.S. dollar, or is it going to be more a flight to quality in the form of 10-year yields, which is going to push the dollar down? I don't know, but we certainly look like we broke out, not unlike the RTY. Now, here we are giving not all of it back, but a significant portion of it back. Well, Guy, I'd say it's a very complicated case mod here. If you think about it, every time the Fed has engaged in weakening uh, or lowering rates, they want to weaken the dollar here. But because over the last you know year, year and a half or so, things are kind of messy over there in Europe, and we look at the U.S. dollar basket, we know that 50% of that is the euro. I mean, the, the dollar has had a bid, you know? And so, yeah, maybe it's a bit of a safe haven sort of thing. Maybe we're just kind of the, the cleanest block or street on the block or whatever you know that you know that expression the cleanest mm-hmm. house on the block that sort of thing maybe that's it but look at that two year chart it broke out here it definitely looks like you know that was it for that um below 95 ish or so in the US dollar index here might we see a retest of that that might be a great spot to reload or whatever but if you think of this new variant you know we we know the potential for it to hit Europe would be first which is why probably the dollar um you know is preferred over the euro at this point and if the dollar does give it up, I mean, it lends itself to gold. Now, we'll see. I mean, again, gold, the, all these charts, it's amazing how you have these false breakouts. Again, it looked like gold was off to the races when we broke that downtrend line. Obviously, that didn't happen. Now we're at support. We'll see what happens in gold. I just wanted to take a quick look at this chart because I do think it's interesting. Again, all these things are pieces of a puzzle that we have to try to figure out. But quite frankly, although it does make sense somewhat intuitively, none of this is making a lot of sense to me right now. This is your baby, though, Bitcoin, and I want to talk about this. The six-month put call skew flips bearish for the first time since the spring. That's pretty interesting, Dan Nathan. Yeah. So usually, let's just break this headline down for a second. Usually, investors are looking for protection, right? So they bid up puts that would give them protection, and then they're more inclined to maybe sell calls against what they own, which lowers the option premiums on the calls, raises the premiums on puts. Okay. So the fact of the matter is, because we've been in this raging bull market in crypto, we've also seen this in some of these kind of high growth tech stocks over the last couple of years or so. You see people just just buying up calls, buying up calls. And what that does is it makes it look like in retail investors have been a big part of this too. It just makes calls look more expensive than put. So this flipping would tell you that some people who own the Bitcoin might be getting a little bit cautious. If you look at this thing, I saw a headline from Joe Wiesenthal um, a couple of weeks ago, just saying it was just, this was the tweet. 
uh, guy from Bloomberg. It's like Bitcoin is lower than it was in February. And sometimes when you say things that sim- like simply, you know what I mean? After such a long period of time, it sinks in. Yeah, it's been about 10 months and it's made no progress, if you will. Now it's been volatile. So keep an eye on that breakout level from uh, you know that April breakout. It never really, again, maybe another false breakout. It never made a meaningful new high here. You see that uptrend from the July lows and you see the 200-day moving average down that 46,000. I suspect you see lower lows here. And I think a lot of long-term holders may welcome that as they're looking for more opportunities to get in for the long-term. It's called Perspective, Dan. And to give us a new perspective, let's bring in Chris Vecchio, Senior Strategist at Daily FX, who, by the way, is joining us from parts unknown for you Worldwide Wrestling Federations fans out there. He's on vacation. CV, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing well today. Good to see you, gentlemen. And before we get started here, I'd like to remind everyone that next Tuesday, December 7th at 11 a.m. Eastern, Nadex is hosting their last boot camp of the year, day trading in your spare time. Todd Rich, the head of education at Nadex, joined by Tom Sosnoff, the CEO of Tasty Trade, among others, will be talking about uh, an event to help bring you into the world of day trading, how you can discover markets by putting some limited risk on the table, right? Everyone has a day job. And so this is a really informative session on how you can manage your risk while you're going about your day-to-day business. I'm looking forward to attending. That's fantastic. We'll, we'll throw it up. We'll try to get it up on the website. We'll do some help on the um, promotional end. But thanks for bringing that up, Chris. And let's take a look because you just heard what we we're talking about. It all leads, you know, everything we talked about for the last 18 minutes leads to what's the Fed going to do. And you've been bringing this chart each week. Now it seems to be telling a much different story. Absolutely. This has been the big problem for the U.S. dollar here. Between this chart and the next one we're going to show about the U.S. uh, Treasury yield curve, it's that step back in rate expectations that are harming the dollar right now. We're seeing that the U.S. Treasury yield curve itself is flattening in the belly, so to speak, the five-year yield falling a little bit faster than either the two or the 10. We're also seeing that the number of basis points priced in by markets vis-a-vis those euro-dollar contract spreads have come off a little bit here. And so that's bad news for the U.S. dollar in the very near term. Uh, But I will say, I'm not convinced that this is going to be uh, the story of the Omicron variant is going to be the story that really hurts markets long term, in part because Virology 101 here, to go into the weeds for a second, there is a trade-off between lethality and transmissibility. And if the Omicron variant is highly transmissible, that means it's less lethal. And the data coming out of South Africa thus far shows that there are much more mild symptoms, uh, headaches, fever, chills, uh, but caseloads, uh, rather uh, death rates have not risen. So that's a, a promising early sign here. That said, because of these travel restrictions, could this be something that crimps global growth here in the very short term, that impinges it at least into the first quarter? And the answer is yes. So this puts the Fed on really rocky ground where they may decide not to taper a little bit faster come January. Uh, and as a result, that U.S. dollar is suffering ever so slightly here. Stocks, of course, are a different story, which you guys ha- had just covered. Fascinating chart. I mean, you'd think in terms of transitory, I hope what you just talked about, the, this new variant is transitory. That to me seems like it is. The other things we talked about seems to be a lot more sticky. Who knows? But let's take a look at this because this is, this is we're talking now yield curves and all the things here. Explain this chart to us because there's a lot going on. Sure. So this is the U.S. Treasury yield curve. We have yields from one year all the way up to 30, 30 year being at the top here. And we've seen a lockstep step down by U.S. yields across the curve. And this almost speaks to the fact that there is this expectation that growth rates could be lower. The long bonds themselves, they have those inflation expectations, the growth expectations 
embedded within. And so the market is signaling that the Fed, at least they feel the Fed, uh, will be acting a little bit slower here in the very near term when it comes to tapering, when it comes to potential rate hikes. Uh, This may be something actually that helps drive stocks higher once more, once the death settles around this Omicron variant, because the risk-adjusted returns now for stocks are are that much better. Uh, And so the way I see this right now, bad news for the dollar, but ultimately heading into year end, if we get around a, say, continuing resolution with the debt ceiling, if we see that the caseloads out of South Africa, some of these European countries are resulting in mild symptoms, if Omicron is displacing Delta, the far more lethal strain of covid Uh, This could be something that's good long-term for the economy, as paradoxical as that sounds right now, given some of the volatility we've seen recently. What stands out to me here, and and I'm I'm just interested in your opinion, two's tens now, I can do the math, you know, two years of 46 basis points, 10-year yields at 144. We're talking about now less than 100 basis points. Six months or so ago, you were talking about maybe 140 or so basis points-ish. Is this the line in the sand, or is there more room we can go before things really start to get... um, I guess, detrimental to the broader market. I I do think that there's a little bit more downside here only because we're dealing with this, uh, you know, known unknown, if you will, uh, right now. We're waiting for more data around Omicron. And so that could lead to a little bit more jittery trading here in the very short term. Certainly, this was not something that I expected. I don't think many people expect this around the holiday. Uh, But I think that the market itself is going through a period of readjustment. And that's Uh, really, you know, exemplified by what's happening with the U.S. dollar here, because the U.S. dollar has been moving part and parcel with what's going on with yields. And this is potentially setting up a significant near-term reversal scenario for the largest component of that dollar index, the euro. When we spoke last week, it looked like that the euro dollar was falling back below that multi-decade trend line, going all the way back to the highs that we saw uh, around the global financial crisis. And now we find ourselves climbing back through them. So dollar weakness here certainly could be on the table for a little bit while longer uh, before we see another any concerted or sustained attempt at more significant dollar strength. Once markets realize that Omicron is not a big deal and the Fed will proceed with moving on its taper and hiking timeline in 2022. You know, this is a 12-year chart and you have that downtrend. I mean, again, false move to the upside, then subsequent back to the trend line. Each one of these charts looks, the market is struggling right now. Each one of these components that we just talked about, every one of them is struggling, trying to figure out which way to go, which I find fascinating. I mean, I've been doing this a long time, and I've yet to see a period where so many different things have had false flags to the upside and the downside. It's really interesting when I look at this. The end is the next one, because guess what? I mean, it looked like we were off to the races there, and now we've pulled back to this sort of 112 and a half level. Talk to me about dollar yen. Well, dollar yen is the most interest rate sensitive U.S. dollar pair, in part because uh, the BOJ just does nothing. BOJ does nothing at all. And so dollar yen is a one-way street reflecting moves in U.S. Treasury yields. JGBs, they call them the widowmaker for a reason because nothing ever happens in JGB markets. You tend to waste a lot of time and capital trying to short uh, those bonds. And so um, right now, dollar yen reflecting the move in U.S. Treasury yields. And, And so that means we probably see a little bit more weakness here. I think that 112 could give way. We could see a deeper setback to that rising trend line from the 2021 swing low setback uh, in January, setback again at the end of September. And that puts us closer to the the 111 area over the coming coming days and weeks. That's probably not good news for stocks. If U.S. yields continue to come off in the near term, if dollar-yen continues to fall, that probably speaks to more weakness in risk in general. Uh, But I do think ultimately if we get into that 111 range, Cooler heads will prevail, sober minds will prevail, and dollar yen will resume its climb henceforth, just not right now in the very near term. 
It's an interesting time of year. You know, we're going to be in December, obviously, tomorrow. It's just going to be fascinating to see. T- typically, seasonality suggests we're going to be sort of on autopilot, but maybe this is December that's going to mirror some of the ones we saw a few years ago. I'm not, I'm not certain, but you know, I'm glad you were here to help navigate that. Talk to us again about next Tuesday, December 7th. Yeah, next Tuesday, December 7th, the Nadex Boot Camp, How to Trade uh, Markets with Limited Risk. Uh, great event. Again, Todd, uh, Todd Rich, uh, the head of Nadex Education, uh, Tom Sosnoff, the CEO of Tasty Trade, among others, will be there. Listen, day trading can be difficult if you have a full-time job, but it's something that you may be interested in now, particularly because markets are moving. Risk management is the most important tool in your toolbox as a trader. Uh, this this section will definitely help you gain some knowledge, gain an edge on how you can navigate markets while keeping uh, your capital protected, from my opinion. And so I'm looking forward to attending myself as a guest this time, uh, which will be a wonderful opportunity to continue my education in the trading realm. Never stop learning, Chris. I've learned that. Dan, Nathan, before we get out of here, you've heard some of the things we just talked about. I mean, again, I just said I've been doing this a long time. I, never have I seen so many you know, false flags, the upside, downside. Market is struggling here. I'm struggling here. Talk to me before we get out. Yeah, market's struggling with you know stocks at all-time highs here and some of the other risk assets that a lot of investors use as inputs, like you think, at real key technical levels here. So I think that's the thing to watch. I suspect we see lower lows, but I also think as we get closer to this Fed meeting in mid-December, the lower the market goes, the likely it is to kind of rally out of it, no matter what happens. If they stay the course with their current you know kind of uh, taper plan, you know that sort of thing, I think markets rally. And if the stocks uh, market is down a bunch and they basically kind of get a bit more dovish, the stock market rallies. But first, we need to kind of test some lows. The other thing I'll say about this December 7th event, I've known Tom Sosnoff for a long time. I want to learn from that guy how to day trade. So I'll be tuning into that on December 7th also. Absolutely. And I want to thank Chris Vecchio again from vacation, senior strategist at LAFX. Thanks, Chris. Looking forward to next week as well. Today's market call, Dan, was brought to you by our presenting sponsors. Get ready, Dan. I'm going to start with Open Exchange because as you know, Dan, They manage the virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. Dan, get ready. And of course, Nadex, the leading U.S. exchange for binary options. Dan, get ready. Call spreads. Ready, Dan? And (laughs) knockouts, guy. Damn straight. We'll see you next week. 